This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you're trying to reach out to clients or potential clients and get that meeting, you know, they, there wasn't really any urgency on their end. And so, you know, thinking through it, how do we create urgency? It was be, you know, popping in and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm in New York City for these two days when I even didn't even have a ticket to New York City yet. I was just you know, trying to get them on my schedule. And then as soon as I land even just one, then I would like double down on my efforts, reaching out to people on the cities that I'd go to. And that, that really helped. And I also think people um, appreciated it. Like I, I think, especially the entrepreneurs that I try to work with and sell with, I think they, they're the first ones to appreciate the hustle. And so if they recognize that somebody's being a little scrappy like that, I think they'll take notice. And so that's how we want a handful of our earliest clients um, was, you know, creating that urgency. Welcome to the Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. This is Phil Michaels, Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and performance coach. Every year, Forbes names the top 30 entrepreneurs, leaders, and stars in the world. And each week, I bring you one of them to help you level up in your life and business. From celebrities like LeBron James to Kylie Jenner and Cardi B, to entrepreneurs with companies like DoorDash, Instagram, and YouTube, you're sure to learn from the list. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now it's time to level up. Level up. Level up. Welcome to Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. Today we have a very special guest. He made the US list in 2020 for social enterprise. His company, Boulder, spelled without the E at the end, helps companies build teams in the Philippines. A six week trip to the Philippines in 2013 led him to a six-year-long quest to make the outsourcing industry less exploitive. After the loss of his best friend and mentor, he has since devoted his time and energy to building and supporting purpose-driven organizations. Please welcome my very special guest, David. Thanks, Phil. It's awesome to be here. Very excited to have you here. It's my pleasure. I'm honored and welcome to the show. Um, where were you when you first found out you made the Forbes list, David? Ooh, where was I? I can't even, I can't even remember at this point. I, I, I think I was in Manila, uh, Manila. Yeah, and I just, I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I was in Manila when I found out. So. Who was the first person you shared it with? Oh, hands down, my mom. Yeah, her and I are pretty tight, so, <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations, well-deserved. Uh, I'm really excited to learn more about your business because I feel like so many American companies and startups and founders could take advantage of this opportunity. But before we jump into that, take us back to the very beginning, Dave, where you're from, where you grew up, and the path that ultimately led to you to where you are now on the Forbes list. Cool, man. Thank you. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in Huntington Beach, which is south of LA in Orange County. Um, really didn't take school very seriously. Um, <laughs> I was working in high school at a country club. And it was there that, you know, it was my senior year of high school and people were um, starting to graduate and get acceptance letters and getting going to college. And I remember I was there and there was this um, country club member and he was just asking me like, hey, David, where are you going? And I, I was kind of, I, I kind of lied <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't know what to tell him. I didn't tell him that I was, 
I didn't want to say that I didn't uh, apply anywhere, but I told him I was going to USC and that uh, <laughs> I went home that day and applied um, to USC. I didn't get in. Um, and so I ended up spending the whole next year working my ass off um, at community college um, in order to transfer into USC. Um, and that was a really good experience for me. I learned a lot there. Studied abroad in Hong Kong um, my uh, junior year. And I think that's when I really um, got exposed to Asia and all of the opportunity. I think at that time, you know, in 2012, 2013 area, like Philippines and China were really um, growing at a rapid pace. So after I graduated USC, I knew I wanted to go back to the Philippines and, uh, and Asia in general. Um, so I really kind of took a, took a job that would allow me to work over there. And then I remember when I was in the Philippines, my business partner, or my at that time, my manager and I were kind of just looking and Uber was hiring like a thousand people for customer support jobs to support, you know, their enterprise around the world. And, and we were just there and we we're like, why aren't we doing this? So at that time we set up our own outsourcing company um, and it was going really well about three years in and, and three years into the company kind of realized that there were some problems that we were having. We were really focused on maximizing profit and not so much giving back to our team. And so at that time we really wanted to change, but it was unfortunately that right when I suggested some of the changes we were going to make, my uh, best friend and business partner passed away. And so when that happened, um, kind of shook everything up. And so I had to work really hard to rebound. And um, in, in doing that was thinking about a way to make this, you know, very lemony situation into lemonade. And so started Boulder um, and started Boulder on the premise that things can be done better. Um, really wanted to honor my best friend's legacy and give back. And so um, with Boulder, we donate our profits, a part of our profits and time to NGOs and nonprofits focused on education. Um, we build customer support and other kind of teams for companies all around the world. And it's going um, for the last couple of years, it's been doing really well. So I'm really happy about where we are now. Congratulations. And I'm sorry to hear about your friend. Um, that obviously must've been a difficult time. And it sounds like you turned a negative into a positive. I'm a huge fan of believing that progress equals happiness. And sometimes your greatest pains become your greatest gifts to serve others and impact others. And you see this actually a lot in the interviews I've been doing with the reason why some of the Forbes listers have ended up pursuing the business that they created is because of a pain that they had. For example, Cliff from Speechify had dyslexia and he started Speechify to help those that are dyslexic. So it's interesting. No and, and thanks for sharing your story, David. No worries. When you said there were some gaps or problems with how it was currently being done, what were those issues that you were like, you know what, I can fix this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when, when you look at, so the industry is really known for having a serious amount of turnover. I think the statistic goes like in three years, you basically have a new company because there's like 30% on average turnover every year. Um, and, and the reason why is, you know, one, the team members aren't really motivated or incentivized to stay long-term and they're not really treated as like an integral part of the team, almost like a, a cog on a, you know, on a wheel in a manufacturing plant. And then the other side of it is that owners, business owners don't really have, especially in the BPO center, didn't really want to invest into their teams and invest in the communities in which they operate. And, you know, in Manila, it's a developing economy and you can really either turn a blind eye to everything that you're seeing, you know, on the streets or, you know, or you hear in the news, or you could try to do something about it. And for us, we really wanted to try and reinvest back into the community, 
um, acknowledge that there are some things that we wanted to do better. Um, so we set up some really basic things in the beginning of our company that I think laid down the foundation for us to kind of just thrive. And we have world-class like um, tenure with our team members. Like they don't, they don't leave because they're invested in what we're doing and why we're doing it. So I think that's like the biggest thing. That's amazing. And I'm curious to know, you know, what advice you would give us U.S. founders, for example, or in other developed nations that are looking to hire those in the Philippines? Because I know some of the objections or hesitancy is, okay, are they going to be able to produce the competent work that we need mm. done? How's the communication going to be with them? Mm. And, and how do we reach the right people? How do we get qualified people instead of just going maybe directly to someone in the Philippines, we can go through an organization like yours that has vetted them and has qualified them, made sure they are competent. How do you handle some of those objections or hesitancies from founders? Yeah, great question. Um, I'll start at, I think, the more macro and then work my way in. Um, during my time at that international company I was working at, we had shared service centers all around the world, um, Dublin, um, Johannesburg, um, I think it was Shanghai, Manila, and all of these different, in, and India as well. And we had all of these different centers. And for us, we realized that out of all the places that we invested in, the Philippines had the highest return, um, specifically because of the, the way that the team members adopted, adapted to our culture and our, our you know, native language fluency. So um, for us, that was really why we chose the Philippines. There's plenty of other great places to, to move teams and to build teams. But for us, that's really what we wanted to focus on. There was a really strong cultural awareness that we appreciated. Um, that uh, a lot of our team members had and currently have. Um, diving a little bit deeper, um, I, it's 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 a tricky question when, especially when you know, if someone is curious and wants to build a team in the Philippines, uh, I I would say like don't half-ass it. Like I don't really want, I don't mean to to curse and be explicit, but I think it's it's something you'd really want to you know lean into and and decide that I'm going to do this and I'm going to consciously choose to invest in building a team. Um, and so in, in doing that, it's like, you can either, you know, oh, I just need to get, get this thing off my plate because I don't want to deal with it anymore. Or you could look to hire the best and the brightest in Manila, you know, for a significant cost savings compared to what you would in the U.S. And there are job portals out there, um, a, a really good one that I highly recommend um, for companies that just want to go direct and hire their own people. It's called Caliber um, with a K. Um, the founder of that, he used to own an outsourcing company and is a, he's actually a really good friend of mine. And he really focuses on hiring or creating a platform to attract millennials and like really um, um, like I would say high qualified individuals from like to the top colleges in the Philippines. So that platform's great. You could work with us if you want. I'm a little shameless plug right there, but there's really good ways to do it. And I'm happy to talk through any more specifics there. Perfect. Thanks for sharing it. Caliber with a K if they want, or your company, obviously, it's, that's nice of you to share um, and refer them to your friend's company. But what's the most, I'm curious to know, and I'm sure the audience listening is as well, what's the most common job that you see them fulfill? And what's the most common company that's looking for this type of work? Yeah, totally. Um, anything around customer experience, I think, is we're at the forefront of where we're seeing the, it's probably the easiest to, to move over. Um, we've seen a lot of customer support company or customer support teams move over. And these are from e-commerce companies, um, you know, SaaS companies, B2B companies. And they, what they'll do is they'll invest in having a team handle either after hours work, you know, where their U.S. team can't handle or they'll have like tier one, you know, really scripted responses um, kind of handled by this team in the Philippines. 
Um, other than that, there's a whole lot of data annotation work happening. So for people building machine learning algorithms, um, training their AI, um, there's a lot of different uh, groups that are, you know, helping these companies train their, train their data sets. And so that's happening in, in the Philippines as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and the list goes on. I, I, we, we, we've seen a lot of SDR work, list, uh, like lead generation sales activities. Uh, the one I think that a lot of people don't commonly think of that I actually think the Philippines is great at, is specifically the community in Manila would be um, like on the creative side. Um, are the talent on the um, web design, um, graphic illustration, um, I would say even like, like renderings and stuff, it's, it's top notch and it's, it's, it's really great. So on the, I wish we would see more, more companies looking to move some creative work over, but yeah. So the customer service, definitely number one, but now you're seeing more and more creative work that they're really talented with. Uh, that's awesome because those are both great resources that we could pull from. And is it mostly U.S. founders that are looking for these U.S. companies that are looking for your services? For us, yeah. But there's a Australia is huge as far as it's, I think it was a little bit easier for them to kind of move work over. Like I, I wouldn't say that you know, since they're a little bit closer and they do frequently travel to Southeast Asia, it's, it's, it's almost like a no brainer. Um, so a lot of businesses already have their own teams from Australia. Um, yeah, we see a lot of opportunity with the U S uh, market, but then yeah, there's European businesses also looking to, to work with Filipinos as well. And how does it work? Let's say right now, like I'm my ed tech company, we actually might be interested in this. Currently we use Andela's model. Andela is out of Nigeria, Mark Zuckerberg invested company. I lived in Nigeria for a while, so I had a direct connection, oh, wow. which is what led me to uh, hire from Nigeria. And they're phenomenal when it comes to the dev team because mm -hmm. they train them there. It's like a coding boot camp for yeah. years. And so you're getting US type talent and caliber, but Nigerian prices, for example. Mm. Do you guys vet them and, and train them as well? Totally. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Specific. Yeah. That's exactly what we do. So we'll onboard team members and put them through our training programs. And since we are really invested in learning and development, just like I think any, any person we would argue that continuous learning is, is just like a way of life. And so really making sure that that's a, we're trying to attract lifelong learners when we hire. Um, but yeah, so for customer support, customer experience, we, we onboard them, we put them with a client and then we continuously try to improve their their performance and the way that they respond um, on behalf of our clients every day. Uh, yeah, on, on engineering, I would say it's interesting you bring that up because we haven't as a company had too much success in that space yet. So we're just starting to invest in what we're seeing is a lot of team members who are doing like data annotation work, um, in, improve their skills. And we have some really awesome partnerships with companies like Data Camp that are like online learning libraries that allow us to train our team members. And so We've had like data entry team members move into like quality assurance work for engineering um, and even like data on the data science side. So we're getting into it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite a challenge for us to, to build out those teams in the, in the past, but it's something that we're really excited about looking forward. So, yeah. We, um, yeah, we experienced that as well. And it seems like, so our friends out of Boston built BotKeeper. It's AI mm. for bookkeeping. And they mm. built like a whole office in the Philippines and are starting to build that dev uh, boot camp there. So maybe that's something, maybe I should connect you guys yeah, or if, awesome. if you guys are looking for that. Cause they, I think they figured it out from at least from the dev side, but yeah, yeah. it's so important. So it sounds like you, you've really got a foothold here 
And especially now with COVID, I mean, more and more people are looking for remote workers in a way to do it in a more affordable fashion. And you've figured it out. So I'm sure there's a bunch of companies out here now trying to do this. But what do you think is the single most important attribute that you have that really got you to where you are today? Mm. Yeah. Not just from a company standpoint, but you personally, David. Great, great question. Um, Yeah, I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room when I walk in. So I, I wouldn't say it's that I would. There's a there's a level of hustle and a level of like hunger to to work hard that I think I got from my parents and and that's something that I I I've noticed that I think provides me a leg up if I'm just consistently working a little bit harder than the people that I know that are either our rivals or you know have similar companies then I'll I'll start performing and so that that level of hustle I think has been what's helped us grow for the last three years um, I'm just cognizant that 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 might also equal burnout so I'm, I'm not sure if that's the that's the right answer but that's at least what i would say hard work and the hustle you gotta hustle and are you spending most of your time now in cali or the philippines do you split your time between the two are you more remote and nomadic yeah that's a great question I, for the last two three years i've been going probably back and forth every two to three weeks um and it's, it's interesting. I was reflecting on this because of COVID. Uh, this has been the first time that I've actually been in one city um, this long ever, like in like six years. So it's been, it's been pretty intense. Uh, but yeah, I, I really appreciated the nomadic lifestyle. I think for us, when we were just starting out, uh, being able to just tell a client or a potential client, hey, I'm going to be in New York for these two days. Can we grab a coffee and just connect? I think really allowed us to to like accelerate, you know, deals that were kind of like slowing down. And so that's what really helped. And so, yeah, I was, I was kind of everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Where's, where's been your favorite place to live so far or travel to? In the U S or abroad? Globally. Okay. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Seoul. Um, I love the food. I love the nightlife. I love the architecture. Um, not during the summer or winter, it's really cold and hot then, but spring and fall, it's incredible. Um, I've, I've had lots of fun there. And then, um, in the U S I'm a huge fan of Austin, Texas. So. Very cool. Yeah. It's, it's growing more and more with the entrepreneurial community there and in Seoul. I want one of my coaching clients right now, two of them actually are living in Seoul oh, no because way. of COVID. They were like, let's go somewhere where there's, there's more lax on the, on the rules. So they immediately oh. booked a flight flew there and they've been there for like three months now, just all nice. during COVID. And then, they had nightclubs open, et cetera. Mm, and then boom, yeah. they had a spike in the outbreaks. I'm sure you heard, <laughs> but they love it. And the food, I mean, they're showing me pictures of what they're eating. The food looks <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's really delicious. So, you know, David, getting to where you are now, thinking about your journey, what do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned along the way that maybe you wish you had learned from sooner? Yeah. Um, I, I just wrote a blog post on, on this and I think it was the idea of um, like the journey. And for me, I, I've always had this idea that, okay, I needed to achieve X by Y date. And that's, you know, it was, it was a motivator, but it was also kind of a, a crutch as well, as well. And I, I realized that if I could slow down a little bit, you know, be really happy with where I am today and what I'm doing, it's, going to allow me to, you know, just do this longer. And 
I read um, Simon Sinek's book, The Infinite Game. And for me, it's like, this isn't a business that I'm going to try to, you know, plump up and sell. It's, it's a business that we'll want to do for the, as long as we can. And so in doing that, it's, it's not trying to burn out. It's making sure that we enjoy and appreciate every day that we're doing um, and that we're building something that we're really proud of. Um, so I think from that perspective, it would be like slowing down, appreciating the journey and not just trying to have an end result. So, yeah. Yeah, I like the Tim Ferriss approach. Sometimes you need to do less in order to do more. And by doing right. less, <laughs> you perform better. Your cognitive bandwidth mm-hmm. isn't consumed up as much. You're able to take care of others more because you're serving yourself first. It's kind of like the old adage, put your own oxygen mask on first in the airplane before you put it on somebody else. So how do you do that specifically? How do you make sure you balance between the two? What do you like to do to decompress? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's funny because growing up at Huntington Beach, I, when I travel or when I meet new people, they always assume I surf. And I, I was always too scared to be a, to surf because I wasn't you know good, but I'd always hang out on the water. And so during COVID, like for the last two months, I've been surfing almost every day. And it's just been so helpful for my like mental health, just getting out in the water. Uh, and also like that beginner's mind, like truly sucking at something again and like getting incrementally better has been also very humbling, but also it's kind of been really good for me. Um, so I've been really enjoying um, surfing every day and it's been something that I, I kind of wish I started sooner, but hey, better late than never. So, yeah. There's something to be said about the ocean and the water. Mm. I mean, the human body is made of so much water, but just there's something to be said of just being in such a large, massive force that is uncontrollable and you have to just, it's like an ego death. Oh, totally. You just simply have to let go. Yeah, that's exactly And right. then surfing, I mean, that's the best way to do it. Mm. Wow. That, that's good advice though. So get in touch with the water, do less to do more. Um, thinking about your industry specifically, because I know a lot of people, especially from the Forbes list, have distributed teams. What's maybe a common myth about your industry? And maybe you can debunk it. Yeah, this is great. I think for me, maybe not a myth, but every, every company in our industry, or I'd say the vast majority of them sell on cost savings as like the number one reason why you should do this. But for me, it's, you know, we live in a world where we're interconnected, like you have clients in Seoul, you can easily, you know, set up a team in, in, in these lower, lower cost markets. And so the opportunity isn't, you know, just cost savings, it's I can spend, spend the money that I would be in the US or wherever I am and invest it in a developing economy and get, you know, the top graduate from this, their university. And in doing that, it's, 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 it's flipping it, you know, and saying, okay, I'm, instead of the fact that I want to save money, it's no, I'm, I'm choosing, I'm consciously choosing to invest back into these developing economies and, you know, hire incredible people. And I think that's the one piece that I'm trying to work on how to shift that. Cause I think like, if you go to these outsourcing websites or, you know, on their sales campaigns, they always say like, Oh, we'll save 60 to 70% by switching. And I'm like, come on guys, like let's, let's elevate these individuals who are working so hard and, and do a little bit better. So that's, that's kind of my, my shtick. You're like, it's 2020. Like we can do more than just save money here. We can make an impact. And totally. hence why you're in the social enterprise space. I made it in the social enterprise space too for my ed tech company. Nice. Um, so I empathize with that. And, you know, one of the things I also think about is what about like insurance or employee benefits or do they get tax savings because they're employing people in a developing nation, for example? 
on our client side? Um, no, our clients wouldn't, because what happens is they'll contract out through an out, like an outsourcing provider like us. So they wouldn't really be eligible for any, you know, tax incentives there. Um, on, on the employee side, uh, yeah, we, we make sure to do all of, the, all of the, the benefits that we need to do in order to make sure that, um, you know, they're treated as a traditional employee. There's a lot of outsourcing companies that, or even like companies in the U.S. that I don't want to name names, but they'll like pay them as contractors and n- not provide any benefits. And, and I get that, but it's also like, I think we can, you know, make sure to give them their health care and give them the, the, these things that really matter and that'll help them out, especially in situations like this. Um, I don't know if I answered your question right, but yeah. Yeah, no, it was perfect. Um, so who's the, who's like the biggest company you guys have right now? Are you able to mention them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Patreon, I think, is a great example of a company that we'd work with. Um, other other companies would be like um, Urban Stems. Um, they're an online flower delivery company. Um, really amazing company. Um, and then like we just closed today, actually, um, a company called Brooklinen, um, which I'm really excited about. So like online e-commerce bedsheet company. And so I'm really excited about the traction we're getting. I, I really do think a lot of people are resonating with our approach and the fact that we you know mm-hmm. want to do better and so yeah um, you could do well and do good at the same time totally they're not yeah. mutually exclusive you don't have to have one or the other you can make money and do good for other people and you're doing Absolutely. that and helping other companies do that which is even you're going to reach even larger scale and thinking about the success you've gotten so far david obviously we know that doesn't happen alone there's people in our lives that help us get to where we are now you said you're very close with your mother who were the most pivotal people in your life to help you get to where you are now who was your coach or your mentor totally yeah so um right when my best friend passed away um he was a little bit older and he he we had clients of his that were also his best friends and so three of them i got to know over the course of years and i was really grateful because um when we were starting out uh, or, you know, after he passed away, it was really clear that I didn't want to be at that previous company. Uh, and the three of them said, hey, like, we'll be your first client. And I was like, great, I don't have any money to, to fund this. I put it all in the previous company. They're like, okay, well, we'll give you, you know, the first three months like, as, you know, cash advance for, the, for working with you. And I was like, okay, great, but I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not an entrepreneur. And they're like, okay, well, we'll be your mentor. We'll advise you. We'll help you get through this. And so um, for the first year of my business, they were really hands-on in helping me. Um, get set up. So I'm really grateful to, you know, Al, Chris, and um, Steve, these guys who are either US or um, South African entrepreneurs. And then um, I do have a coach, his name's Brian, Brian Newman. He's incredible. Um, he, he as well, like also lives in Asia, I spent I think, the last 20, 25 plus years in Tokyo and Hong Kong. So um, really good guy. And I, I appreciate it because he's also a little bit more on the spiritual side of things. And so it's been fun um, talking through a lot of the stuff that I've been going through um, with him and helping me kind of, you know, adjust that into business. So it's been really, really nice blending that. Yeah. From the mental, spiritual, emotional side, but also Mm. the more hard skills, for example, you need a a mix of both comprehensive, holistic approach. I I have two coaches. I think coaching is so important. Um, and, And I love giving back to them and showing your gratitude. That's one of the most fulfilling things, especially as a coach, when you hear your client you know, go from 1 million to 10 million, for example, or uh, they just have been impacted so many ways from their relationships to their physical body. You know, what, what's one of the 
best ways or coolest ways you've seen someone give back or most unique way that you've seen someone show gratitude? Yeah. So this is a tricky question because I, I, I believe that gratitude is more of a, like an everyday, it's a, it's a, it's a mindset. And in order, and instead of doing like one big charade or one big thing, uh, I would appreciate people being more, you know, incorporating it into their daily routine and, and really making sure that they're just consciously saying thank you and express, expressing gratitude whenever they can and however they can. Um, so I look for that. I look for those little moments, you know, when you're getting a cup of coffee and you see somebody who drops something and you see the other person pick it up and just the way that they interact and that expression of gratitude, I think is really important, especially right now. I think there's a lot of chaos going on right now. And I just wish people were treating each other with a little bit more compassion. So yeah, it's a, that not a big, not a big event. Yeah. Smaller. Yeah. It's just a small wins along the way, the small daily practice of giving back and showing gratitude, mm. doing something nice or kind for someone. Sean Aker talks about this. The, he studied happiness more scientifically mm. than any other uh, professor. He's a professor at Harvard and he has the most enrolled in class at Harvard in Harvard history. Wow. And it's all about happiness. And That's so awesome. Tim Ferriss was interviewing him and Tim Ferriss was like, you know, Tim Ferriss He's like, I want the 80, 20. What's the 20% I can do with the 80% of impact? You know, I want the bare minimum with the highest yeah. ROI. And so he, he identified five things that you can do that has statistically significantly shown a, an increase in happiness. And one of them was writing three things down that you're grateful for every single day. But the key is it has to have, have happened in the past 24 hours. Totally. Because what they noticed from their research is that most people put their family, their friends, their health, mm -hmm. and over time you become desensitized to it. But if yeah. you force yourself to make it within the past 24 hours, it's different every day. It's pretty yeah, cool. No. And the other four I shared on another episode um, that people will have to go back and listen to, but totally. it's a really cool, cool stuff. Um, thinking about, you know, transitioning from giving back to hustling, we talked about hard work and hustle. What's something maybe scrappy that you did to hustle that maybe you couldn't have revealed when you were first starting out, but you can reveal now that you're far further along. Like Sarah Blakely paid seven of her friends to go to Neiman Marcus, the seven Neiman Marcus stores that she landed and buy her product to make it look like sales were happening. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wish I did that convincing my friends to buy our services. But yeah, for us, I think I kind of mentioned this in the beginning. I, I, I doubled down on it. It's, you know, we didn't have a lot going for us when we were just starting out, you know, new kid on the block, not really a lot of traction. And so people would, you know, when they're trying to reach out to clients or potential clients and get that meeting, you know, they, there wasn't really any urgency on their end. And so, you know, thinking through it, how do we create urgency? It was be, you know, popping in and just saying, Hey, I'm, I'm in New York city for these two days when I even didn't even have a ticket to New York city yet. I was just, you know, trying to get them on my schedule. And then as soon as I land, even just one, then I would like double down on my efforts, reaching out to people on the cities that I'd go to. And that, that really helped. And I also think people um, appreciated it. Like I, I think, especially the entrepreneurs that I try to work with and sell with, I think they, they're the first ones to appreciate the hustle. And so if they recognize that somebody's being a little scrappy like that, I think they'll take notice. And so that's how we want a handful of our earliest clients um, was, you know, creating that urgency. So, yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said for face-to-face -face contact. And then, 
if worst came to worst and you couldn't get the ticket to New York, like, oh, listen, I just had a last minute emergency flight change. Mm, uh, can totally. we do this call on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> that way, at least you still have them on the meeting on the calendar. Totally, totally. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. By the way, speaking of your blog posts, where can listeners go connect with you and read that blog post that you were sharing earlier? Are you, are you on Medium? Do you have a handle? No, I should get one. Uh, right now, it's just on our website, boulderimpact.com. Um, we have more blog posts that my, myself and my business partners are pushing. It's probably the one, one piece that we're doing a lot of recently is just trying to get our, our content out there. And for me, I've always really wanted to write about our origin story, but never really uh, found my voice. And my friend, who's been really helpful is helping me edit and write this. So I'm really grateful to her, like kind of getting this out there, but definitely should get my medium um, hashtag. I'll, I'll do that and then circle back in this. <laughs> yeah. We'll put your medium handle in the show notes as well. Once you get it and your, your website too is by the way, audience it's Boulder impact, but the Boulder is spelled bold with an R not ER uh, impact.com. So, um, David, we're going to transition on to something I like to call the under 30 seconds round. I'm going to fire off some questions, answer with the first one that comes to mind. You ready? Let's do it. What is the book you've gifted more often than any other book and why? The great work of your life. Um, Stephen Cope defines Dharma um, in a, in a more like approachable way. If you like, I, I don't know, the autobiography of a yogi or the Bhagavad Gita has been kind of hard for me to read, but this book like translates that into a, um, more approachable, um, piece for, I, I'd say like the, the Western folks. So yeah, that, that'd be the book. More tangible. I got into Dharma when I was spending time living in Hong Kong and nice. I read the art of happiness by the Dalai Lama. And that's what helped mm. expose me to the Dharma philosophy. It's a beautiful one. So thanks for sharing. What's one of the best investments and one of the worst investments you've ever made and why? Uh, best would be undoubtedly myself getting a coach was by far the best thing I've, I did for myself and making sure that, you know, having people in my corner, you know, from physical, you know, trainers to coaches to like even people on the spiritual side, um, worst investment. Um, I forget the exact date, but I bought, you know, finally succumbed to peer pressure on buying crypto at the height of the market, right when everything collapsed. So that wasn't the smartest. And since I yeah, learned a good lesson there. That's, a, that's the second time uh, a Forbes lister has mentioned that it's the worst investment they made. And actually the one right before you, he was like precious metals. I'm still waiting for that one to come back. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's great. And get yourselves a coach, uh, even if it's totally. not me or, or David's coach, you know, find yourself a coach. It's a huge investment, but an amazing investment. And the return is, is undoubtedly uh, going to be one that you, you really appreciate and, and get a lot of value out of. Number three, what's the most impactful thing you do in your morning routine and the most impactful thing you do in your evening routine? Morning, uh, hands down, I, I brew my ginger turmeric tea and it's ginger and turmeric, like the actual roots. I like grind myself turmeric cans. You can see I grind them every morning, steep it for like an hour, put a little bit of a juice of a whole lemon in it and filter it. And it's really good. Um, that's been a game changer for the last year as far as like just composing myself and centering myself. Um, on the evening side, I, I try to read at least 30 minutes of like fiction, just chilling um before winding down because my it slows my brain down a little bit and i'm able to drift into transitioning for sleep so that's been really helpful 
That's great. That's another Tim Ferriss approach with the wind down routine. He always mm. recommends reading fiction instead of nonfiction before bed. So it doesn't wire you up. And totally. one of the ones I came across, I'm not a big fiction reader, but when he recommended that I read the Aragon series about the dragons and whatnot. It's amazing. Okay, it's nice. like Harry Potter, but with dragons. Yeah. It's badass. What What's the current fiction that you're reading yeah, now? Found, foundation series. Um, yeah. I'm a, yeah. Huge fan. Um, it's, a little out there. I appreciate it. Good sci-fi. Um, like Elon Musk tweeted about it a year ago and picked it up and it was pretty good. So it's like, I think I forget how many books there are in the entire series, but it's a lot. It'll keep the foundation series. Yeah. yeah. Foundation series. I want to put that in the show notes. Pretend you won the Peter Thiel fellowship and you were going to get money to start a business instead of go to college. What's the very first thing you do to start your new business? Yeah. Okay. I, I would move to Southeast Asia if I wasn't there already. Um, just get out there and just like try to really understand what startups are booming, um, why companies are gaining traction, and then just see how I can immerse myself in that, in that scene as quickly as possible. Um, immerse yeah. yourself in a new culture. Mm, totally. Yeah. Last one. <laughs> What's something you never knew you needed? a great question i'll give you i'll give you two examples quick yeah, ones let's do it. the pop socket on my phone <laughs> my buddy jake was like dude just try it out for a week i promise i'm like now that i have it i'm like how did i ever use the iphone without the damn pop socket and then uh i also have a rebounder which is a mini trampoline tony robbins uses it before he goes on stage and i use it every day even before our podcast today, it just lymphosizes the body, reignites your energy. It's insane. They're, they're pretty pricey if you get a good one. Um, I have it on my recs on my, on my web, website, but a rebounder is a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I was going on the deep end trying to think of something like super like core to my, my soul. And I, I, I'm trying a big blank man. Um, uh, I would say probably like, yeah, this not the best answer, but a, like a good pair of like like noise canceling headphones. Like for me, mm. especially in like Manila, which is one of the most developed, like most uh, densely populated cities in the world, it, like I had to have a way to block out noise and the headset. But then also like the noise can uh, the white noise makers, so you could sleep. That was a game changer for me. Do you have a specific one that you recommend? I do, but I can't remember the name of it. It's on Amazon. I could, I could send it to you so you could put it out in the show notes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> David, thank you so much for being here today. Um, before you go, what's next for you? What's the next big goal, milestone, or mm. bucket list item you want to achieve? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, for us, it's so we're, we've, we've, we've proved the model in Manila Works, and we're investing in some of the provincial areas outside of Manila. Um, but for me, I, I'm really um, excited and energized by the idea of doing what we're doing in the Philippines and Mexico and South Africa. Uh, I'm Mexican by heritage and my business partners from South Africa. And so for us, we really want to be investing in giving back to those communities there. And so hopefully by this time next year, I'll either be living in Mexico City and have an office there. So I'm really excited about that. Um, that would be awesome. And are you pulling individuals from not just the Philippines, but eventually all these countries. Would we, wow. sorry, say that word. Yeah. Hiring. Meaning, yeah. We, are you going to be able to hire from 
from all these different countries and not just the Philippines. Yeah. And that's what really gets me excited is because then these individuals would have the opportunity to, you know, travel like across the different, uh, these different cities and countries and get that really awesome international like experience that was so great, good for me that I would want to give back to our team as well. And so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really exciting for us. And I think it also exposes us to a broader market of highly talent, uh, talented individuals that, you know, could do some good work. So, yeah. And talk about a global impact. You'll even get mm. recognition probably from those countries that have surrounding businesses that might want to take advantage of the opportunity you have. Totally. Um, David, where do listeners go to connect with you directly? Yeah, I, I, I'm not active on Twitter. I, I should probably do more of that. I'm pretty good on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn's great. Email me, um, davidsadolski at gmail.com or my business email, dsadolski at polderimpact.com. Um, but hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Perfect. Please go connect with David. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. This is David with Boulder Impact, who helps companies connect with those in developing nations to hire them and create job opportunities, create global scale. We learned so much today. We learned how to tap into your spiritual side and get a coach. We learned how to hire the right team. We learned how to build a business from even such as a pain of losing your best friend and mentor. Uh, David, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me. A lot of fun. Hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Have an amazing day. Thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Who do you think would benefit from hearing it? You can make an impact on their life by sharing it now. Before you go, I encourage you to tell us your favorite part of the episode in the review section. Now it's time to level up. Level up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.